Um, so yeah, lots to talk about. Mm -hmm. So anyway, welcome back to Her House Podcast. Welcome back. Yeah, so I mean, work-wise for me, I mean, interest rates is all anyone is talking about. That's just, it, they're just, I don't think anyone was expecting them to get where they were or where they currently are. Really? I mean, maybe they were, but like, I think now when you see the numbers, like what your payments are, people are just having such sticker shock. Yeah. And also kicking themselves for not doing something sooner. And so it's just a ton of hesitation in the market. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I mean, like I I've been kind of following the Fed meetings for <laughs> the last year. And like, it's no surprise interest rates are where they're at today to me. Right. I think they're going to keep going up. Uh, I don't think we're going to see any relief until 2025. So people have a long ways to go. And my, and again, I don't know. I, this is my crystal ball prediction. Um, but yeah, I did do the same thing. Like when I was interested in looking at that house, I think like the payment now is almost like 20% higher than it was just a few months ago based yeah. on what, you know, Zillow says is, is going to be your payment based on current rates, which is wild to me. I think, like, from what I'm seeing, um, unless we get a really bad jobs report, which last month's jobs report was a bit soft, so Jerome Powell might have a, a change of heart. But um, unless we get a different jobs report or things get really bad in the job market, which would then obviously have a huge impact negatively on the real estate market, people don't have jobs. Um, but I think we're going to see another, we're definitely going to see another increase. Um you know, before the end of the year. And then I think we're going to stay flat through the end of next year is my thought. Um, I don't think they're going to, unless the economy gets really bad, they're not going to cut rates. Right. So. Well, yeah, I was just like at a meeting and we were talking and it was basically like a few months ago, the headlines were, you know, interest rates are so high, like everything stop, don't buy. And then now you look at what the headlines are and it's like no inventory and so it's like everyone kind of halted and now we have like a lack of inventory so i i just don't see how things aren't going to explode here pretty soon in my opinion and explode in terms of prices or number like inventory on the market no i think prices are going to go up i think there's going to be something that if interest rates even drop the slightest like into the sixes now that they've reached the sevens, I think people are going to go crazy and be like, okay, this is now a deal and the sixes yeah. move. And then there's going to be no inventory. Yeah. Well, that's what we saw last year because uh, like rates were the highest, I think, in November. Then they went down kind of slowly up until the springtime and like right had a crazy spring buying season yet again. Also, that was kind of like seasonal. And that was, that was nationally and it happened here in Phoenix, which I know has kind of a different buying season. But yeah, I... I I don't think based on what like the Fed, because the Fed has like this dot plot too. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but they basically like all the people that work at the Fed that like make the decision on rates determine where they think rates are going to go. And they all keep saying rates are going to keep going up. Interesting. Uh, now we talked about this though before as like right now, the like differential between what like the Fed rates, like the treasury, um, like the 10 year treasury, which is kind of what the mortgage uh industry goes off of and like mortgage rates is like at three percent difference and usually it's like 1.75 percent difference so like that is maybe the catalyst that changes things but until the fed stops increasing rates i don't think that mortgage rates will come down i think when the fed decides to stop hiking altogether and basically like comes clean like hey we're not going to hike anymore like outwardly says that mortgage rates may come down even though rates are like elevated 
but I don't think until they do that, because what I heard from, I can't remember where it was, it was like some mortgage lender, but they were basically like the people that are like buying the mortgages, they want to make sure that their investment is safe. So they want like that bigger spread right now on those rates. Um, and that's what, I, so I don't know. My, my prediction is things are going to stay high for a long time here. Well, and they just, like are definitely becoming much stricter on yeah. what they are lending. Like I was just in a meeting with a builder who's building a few properties and they won't even fund like a ne the next build until they see a contract on one yeah. of which is just not typical. Like usually a bank wouldn't hesitate on just a few houses um, with good credit. So it's interesting to yeah. see how that will affect things. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to you because there's a lot of commercial mortgage debt coming due in the next couple of months. And like, I have this whole, like, if I had a, a way to draw it, like I would draw it. And basically like, it's like this, this kind of like spiral, like this loop. So it's like, okay, the, the mortgage debt comes due and now it's got to be refinanced. But rates are so much higher than they were three years ago. So the people that hold the commercial mortgages, a lot of them are like walking away or the commercial properties are worth significantly less. But then now they might be going back to the banks. And so the banks have less to lend. And so then the banks can't lend to you and I to get, you know, a loan on a mortgage per se. Um, you know, and then if they can't do that, it starts to impact the job market and basically just has this whole like spiral where like I think that's also not really being talked about enough is like how much the commercial property industry is going to impact like every other area of the market. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. So I, I feel like I'm not great at articulating it, but I like, you know, one of those shower thoughts that you have, I like drew it once and I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, like this, it's like basically like the domino effect. It's like, well, if this falls then banks are going to struggle, then there's not going to be credit available. And if there's not credit available, then companies can't spend more money. Because it, it's like not just real estate. It's like, you know, any business like can't spend more money if there's not money available. And so they can't hire people. They can't put money into projects. They can't buy things from vendors. So like, you know, in my nine to five, like I'm a vendor of software, like people aren't going to be buying from us. And so like, then that's going to impact the jobs market. That's then that impacts the you know, the real estate market. So it's just like this kind of scary loop. I also think that has a lot to do with people like, I mean, this is totally not real estate related, but like companies wanting to get people back in offices. Because if companies can get people back in offices, then there's a use for commercial real estate. And then basically commercial real estate won't crash. Right. So I know the office thing is like really interesting because it just seems like that would be dead right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But a lot of companies are trying to get people back because of this essential problem is like if they can't get back people back to the office and banks start owning commercial properties, then banks aren't going to lend to those companies. And then those companies are going to have money to expand or grow or pay people or, you know, all sorts of things. And then we're in Does your company still have their office? Um, we have, yeah, we, we still have our office, but in, it used to be like four floors of a building and now they just have one floor of the building, oh, wow. I think. Yeah. So, but we've gone to like, we're, I think we're really different than a lot of the companies in our space where we're very much, at least at this point, like remote first. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. And like, you know, my job being in sales, you know, we're, we're client facing, going to clients all the time. So there's not really a need to go back into an office. Um, just because like I have people all over the country that are supporting 
different regions of the country too so right and it just kind of depends i think on you know the company itself but yeah so if a company doesn't necessarily own their own office it's a little bit different um to some capacity but the problem is it's like if those offices are sitting empty you know those are building some of them worth billions of dollars alone oh for sure right and those go back to the banks and the banks are screwed then the banks can't lend to the companies and the companies are screwed and so yeah it's just it's it's a lot so we hope that that doesn't happen <laughs> yep. so i feel like i've been like super like bearish since we started this podcast but i also just feel like the next year i, th- I think the next year is going to be rough for a lot of different like real estate stocks jobs i i I think there's a lot of people that are like, no, there's no way, like the bad things are gonna happen, and like, I, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to say that, like, the good, the good just can't keep rolling. There's always gonna be a dip. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I'm trying to be positive. I really, but for you, like, I think that the benefit to you, I mean, like, you are an amazing real estate agent. You're always gonna have work, whether the market's up or down. You know, and, and you, like, people are always buying. It's just what price are they buying at? Right, and uh, yeah, not even. Yeah, not even in the way of being busy, but just I just don't see prices going down. But it's, you know, I think it's funny because I heard this week that like in Arcadia specifically, the rates like the prices have not dropped at all. They've remained steady, but obviously interest rates have gone up. So it's just to me, it's like, okay, that means like if if they drop, which I do think they will drop next year, but let's say then they should either remain steady now yeah i guess it depends i like i look at it i mean you're right like prices have not declined in our in our neighborhood specifically but you look at like sold for like 1.5 last year started on the market 1.65 a few weeks ago they're down to 1.59 like the the minute they sell that though like after the the fees of selling like they basically made me broke even you know right and i don't know when like people have to sell for like different reasons but uh Oh, I just had a thought. You can come back to it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, it'll be really interesting to see where it goes. Yeah. I'm, I mean, obviously for myself, I want things to go down so I can buy. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, on our own, like, initiatives. It's like, we want this to happen so we can do this. It does take the stress out of it a little bit when I'm like, okay, we're in our house. Like, we're not selling. So it's like, yeah. it can go out. Great. It could go down. Great. Like, I don't really care because it is what it is. Yeah. But, uh. What I was going to say is, like, almost every city in Arizona, besides, like, a few, like, I think Buckeye, Bean Creek, maybe one other, are considered that they're in seller's market. Mm -hmm. But what's funny about that is every agent I talk to, myself included, we're all, like, feeling, like, with our listings, like, come on, what is happening? Mm -hmm. But yet we're still in seller's markets, and it's just not what you picture in a seller's market like every week i'm still like oh i don't really like i you know i need to update my seller and i just yeah. don't have that much to update them with things are just slow but we're still in a seller's market right i think what i'm like again this is my two cents of like not being the expert being like the like the you know just zillow scroller that i am <laughs> like my two cents is essentially that yes we're still in a seller's market but only if you're priced right. And I think a lot of houses are not priced right. Like they're priced. I mean, my old house for like great example, like that house is currently priced for double what I bought it for at the end of 2019. So just under four years ago, double. Right. And I saw another one get listed two doors down today. And yes, it's 
it's the same size, but instead of a four bedroom, it's a three bedroom and it only has a one car garage instead of a two car garage, but it does have a pool, which mine didn't have a pool. That was actually listed for $125,000 less than my old houses. So like my old house, I think is overpriced. Right. And so it's, I mean, it might sell, but like my hypothesis is it's not going to sell because it's overpriced, but that one, two doors down is going to sell because that's priced really well right now. Right. Well, and I think what is kind of happening, and I don't recall this like happening to the degree it is happening right now is like before you price your listing you're obviously you look at what's for sale around you but so many people are especially developers are hyper aware of what else is uh, coming up on the market and they're all racing each other and so nervous about what the other one's gonna do because if one person takes a lower number it's affecting everyone and because prices haven't uh declined but some people are more motivated than others so they're like we're going to take a hit and i think now more than ever people are like oh no my neighbor listed for that yeah it's not good (laughs) i never saw it have that much effect before that i could right where you're like no what are they listing at high you know yeah yeah well i mean essentially like you know i think you know, we're at the age where we really see good for the most. Yeah. Like we for sure. You know, we graduated college in 2012 at the very bottom of the real estate market. Neither of us really got into real estate like right away, but I feel like we kind of both had an interest and obviously you got into it before I did, but like we've never been in a bad market. And so it's always been good times up, 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 up. And so I think like comps have always been like, oh, well, what did this sell for? Okay, great. I can get a little bit more. Now it's like, ooh, what is the comp? Like, uh-oh, I'm priced too high, maybe. And, like, for instance, like, that house that I had mentioned on, that's, you know, dropping the price. And they're probably going to end at what they sold it for last year. But, like, our friends live on that same street, and they're selling their house for less. And it's, right, a little bit bigger, actually, than that other house. So it's, I don't know, it's interesting. I I think, like, tying this up with a bow, like, my moral of the story is I think we're going to see things continue to be slow unless people are like realistic i think a lot of people are still stuck in like what 2022 early 2022 pricing was Mm -hmm. and like it's it's i mean it is that if you sit and wait on the market for enough time i think you'll find a buyer but like if you want to actually sell you know in a reasonable amount of time probably you want to price a little bit lower than you think and you'll 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 do better I also think the market's kind of lacking that urgency of landlords telling people they need to move because they want to sell. Right. Because most of these landlords have really good interest rates. And so before I was like they were seeing what the market was doing. Nope, I want to sell. And obviously, if you have a good tenant in your property right now, chances are you're just hoping they stay there right. for a few years because you have a low interest rate and you're probably getting a good rent. And right. so you're kind of in the sweet spot. Yeah. I mean, that's the other scary thing. Like, you know, I'm a landlord. I have I have a tenant that was actually supposed to be moving out last month and ended up staying in their month. That's a, that's definitely another story for another time. But I'm like, thank goodness they're staying. But also at the same time, I'm looking at how many rentals there are in the area every day and it's ticking up. And that scares me because I know it's getting harder and harder to rent things out. I think like at my price point, I'm probably pretty safe because I'm like the lowest price thing at the neighborhood. Um, but, you know, I see other properties that are struggling and we had, I think now we have almost like four times as many rentals as we did 
like a year and a half ago in our area and like we had like none before right like people were fighting each other to get a rental like it was wild to see but now we have kind of an oversaturation of rentals like it's very easy to get a nice place and not everything is nice but like you know it's there's a lot available and so landlords are starting to take that hit yeah but you were saying so you were like you're on tiktok okay yes so i was telling i was telling you this before i i don't know what's wrong with me i feel like when you have a kid you probably feel the same way like if they're playing by themselves or like watching a show i'm like well what can i do right now so i feel like i really try to like limit my social media but i've really gone into the tiktok rabbit hole and what i've been seeing on my for you page is a lot of people that are either like millennials so like our generation or people that are younger than us that are basically just saying like we'll never be able to buy a house and i get where the argument comes from and like i don't want to sound like some like entitled elitist like no i've made it so you can too but like realistically there's like easy or simple ways to buy a house like if you just put a little bit of effort into it and look i get that we're in an affordability crisis like that you know certainly like it's something that i understand but i saw um i saw this this girl on tiktok had said look you know like my parents were teachers and they were able to afford a house and this house that they own is now worth five hundred thousand dollars and i'm thinking okay like a teacher you know, I get that, like, that's not obviously a high salary job, but if you have two teachers put together and, you know, you're looking to buy a $500,000 house, like, there's a lot of options for you. You can purchase a house for three and a half percent down if it's your first time buying. And obviously, you know, I'm not like a mortgage lender, so don't take exactly what I'm saying for, you know, gospel or anything. But I think up to, it's like $580,000 in many areas and then up to like a million dollars in some like high cost of living areas. You can do an FHA loan for three and a half percent down. Um, so like you could potentially buy that 500k house for less than, you know, $20,000 down. And yes, $20,000 is a lot of a down payment, right? Um, but you know, it's think about it this way, like the average car payment right now, I think is like $750. And so if you were able to like buy a super cheap car, eliminate that car payment or most of that car payment, you could essentially in two years have that down payment, right? Like that's right. the equivalent. So I really disagree with the affordability crisis. Like, yeah, things are out of control, like in terms of like where housing prices are today versus like where they probably should be. And I, we talked about this previously, but like at the height of the uh, the housing um, bubble in 2007, prices on houses were like, I think that the like median home price in America was like $216,000 or something like that. Today, it's like over $400,000. If you did like just the typical from that peak, if you kept going up, if there was never a crash, if you kept going up at a 3% increase every year, which is like the quote unquote, like typical, you know, real estate increase, we'd only be at like $340,000 today. So like, yes, 100% things are overvalued. But I also don't think that like, that doesn't mean that you can't figure out a way to afford a house. Now, I'll caveat this with like, absolutely need to figure out how you can afford the payment because that is really what's getting away from us is high payments because of where interest rates are but again you know if you're able to find a place that you can comfortably you know afford the down payment and comfortably afford the payment on 
then I think it's a go. Like you should definitely purchase that and get into the real estate game because then you start building equity. And then, you know, even if you, you know, have like a salary, let's let's say like that's the median salary in America, $55,000, and you have a spouse that also makes the median salary, you know, combined you're making like $110,000. If you, you know, can figure out a way to like get the down payment, you know, make the monthly payment. And maybe that means like house hacking, like, you know, getting a roommate or buying like a, you know, you can do like a two to four unit property where you have other tenants, like do it, get in the game and then build equity. And then you can essentially like roll that into the next property and keep it going. And that's ultimately, I think the way that like, that's how people do it. You know, like you just have to start. I think even Barbara Cochran, um, who's on Shark Tank and she sold her real estate company for like 40, I, well, I think she got $45 million. She sold it for a lot more. The Cooper, Co- I'm not saying Corcoran Group. Um, but she even said like she started out, she like bought literally like a one bedroom studio in New York because it was all she could afford. But she started building equity. Then she got a, a one bedroom. Then she got a two bedroom. It's like if you roll it up every year, like you'll eventually get to a point where you've built so much real estate equity and like you've won the game. Right. And I think your point about like the roommates and things like that is just yeah. so smart because there are obviously like a lot of people that don't have a spouse to depend on. Mm-hmm. And so it's like if you can just get a roommate or two, it's like free money. Yeah. So, like obviously sometimes you don't want a roommate, but it's just to just put that in for a few years. It just it's like no brainer. Totally. Totally. I, w- I would agree. Like I think. I think there's just, like, things that aren't thought about. And, like, I get it. Like, I mean, I'm this is, like, me, like, doom scrolling on TikTok. So who knows, like, how real this really is. But I saw enough videos about the topic that I wanted to bring it up and just say, like, it is possible. Um, like, my first roommate was my boyfriend. He paid me rent on the house that I owned, you know. And, like, right. I couldn't have afforded the payment by myself. And, yeah, how had we broken up? I probably would have had to get another roommate. But, like... That's how I got into the game, you know, and then we kind of just like parlayed that into, you know, additional houses. And I figured out ways to like put less down again, making sure that I could cover, you know, the monthly payment and that that was, you know, something that wasn't going to hurt me. Because I think that's really where you can go wrong in real estate is if you cannot afford the monthly payment. For sure. Like it, the way I think about it is if you can afford your monthly payment, like you don't you take out the stress of needing to know what the market does. If you're happy in your house and it's livable and you're content there and you can afford your payment, take out the stress of what the market's doing because anything that goes down, it's going to go up in time. Like, yeah. it, we don't know how long, but it will go up. So it just kind of takes the risk out of it. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember when me and my sister, we bought our first house together and we were like going between a two-bedroom and a three-bedroom and I was like, let's just do the three bedroom in case something happens. Like we can get a room mm-hmm. and help us out. Like if one of us loses our job, we're not like stressing. We'll just put a room in yeah. the third room. Luckily, we didn't have to do that. But it's it, it's just a nice little security. Uh, but it's going to be interesting because now they're letting, uh, they just pass like a bill that you can put like a guest like quarters on your house mm-hmm. so it would exceed the lot coverage but you could oh. put it on and so that'll be interesting to see what happens because i could see a lot of people just being like yeah we'll throw one back there and just put a renter in a little see them and you know make some extra money that way yeah i think i think that's what a lot of people in, in la did they built like adus and yeah had tenants in them that right. helped cover the mortgage cost so right. i i think that'd be like a great story too of like you 
like you and your sister when you first bought your first place? Because I think like at that point in time, I mean, you were how old? Like 20? I think I was like 24. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you were really young. You got into the game. Yes, this is like seven years ago, eight years ago. So like the market has changed. Yeah. Yeah. Like at the same time, like I think like you took the leap, you know, and I think that other people can too. I think people are just like seeing these crazy payments or like just not getting creative with how it's it's like not asking the question like how can I do it versus like like I can't just saying like oh like I can't do it instead of being like okay well how can I figure it out well I mean I yeah like I knew I couldn't afford a house on my own especially one that I'd want to live in and so my sister was in the same spot I don't necessarily think it's bad to even buy a house with you know, a friend that you know, like there's plenty of legal things that you can put in place. Total. Uh, I mean, I'd be, you, most people are probably safer buying with a friend than a boyfriend. And most people are buying with a, a boyfriend or girlfriend they're not married to. So, uh, I mean, I think there's so many options they to take advantage of and get in the market, like you said, just to, so it doesn't run away from Right. Right. Yeah. And like, even I, I think the other thing that I was seeing on TikTok is like the starter home. We've done away with the starter home. And I I get that to a degree, but like, you know, get a small townhouse or an, like a condo or, you know, something, something that you can maintain. And if you start building equity, you can get that next house, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and if you get something like with a roommate or there's options i know it's harder now to find like a duplex or a fourplex or something like that but like you can even do an fha loan on those right and i also think people just think when they're gonna get into like buying a house they're thinking i need to live there Mm -hmm. and that's also not true like your first house like it's totally fine if it's your investment like an investment property and you're not living there right get it maybe you need to work like essentially located and so you can't afford something there, but you can go bid on the outskirts and afford something. Buy that, rent that, and help it cover your rent, and at least you're building equity in that home. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think, I I, th- I don't know the exact stat, but I want to say it's like 90% of millionaires in America, like, are millionaires because of real estate. So, right. yes, things are, I would say, they really are unaffordable comparatively to where they should be today if we had kept going from the last peak and just kept going up versus having a big crash and now we've had this like crazy you know uptick um but like you can make it work and now look i get the price you know of gas and food and everything else is much more expensive but you know don't like my message is like don't give up get creative like you can do it right well and i do remember when i was like living in that first house with my sister i didn't have like a ton of extra money uh outside of like paying my mortgage and lost to live but i was like i'm not saving like i'm not really putting much aside to save every month but my house is my savings account yeah i'm just and it you know we sold that and i made a good amount of money more than way more than i could have ever saved even if i was living in a cheaper place right uh and i was like this is so cool i just made money without yeah i mean just be money by living. Yeah, totally. Like every single month you pay your mortgage, you are getting equity in your home. So essentially, like you are building more money that then you can take and either, you know, one day do a cash out refinance or get a HELOC loan or sell the property and like get that now out of it. Um, but there's just like so much you can do that I think a lot of people maybe are not thinking about because everything else in life is so unaffordable as is 
housing that, you know, if you're creative, you can you can definitely do something with that. And I get like right now too, you know, student loans are restarting. So that's definitely going to be interesting since those have been paused mm-hmm. for three years. And I mean, there's a lot of student loan repayments that are now going to get like tacked on to people's monthly expenses. So that's something else to, to think about. For sure. And I feel like that like paying off student loans is such a big thing when like I'm talking to a new buyer and I'm like, oh, you're ready to buy, ready to upgrade. They're like, yes, I just paid off my student loans. And that was very like a very common statement because it was just like, you know, we were that's it just gives you a lot more money yeah right when those are paid off so that is a very interesting point to see how that will affect things yeah i do think that might have some effect i think maybe not a huge effect but i definitely think that will have some effect also on like what people can afford once those kick back in i think because i think there's the interest started again this month and then they're due starting next month i'm curious like what would be your advice for somebody let's say that like this is like they're going to be buying their first place we have a friend for instance Mm -hmm. is looking to buy her first place she's trying to figure out how much money do i need down and she and i had talked like hey you know you really only need five percent down so long as you can afford the the monthly payment um but like what is your advice for somebody that like wants to figure out a way to buy their first place and like what would you recommend in terms of like things that they should be looking for or things that they don't need necessarily in their first place well i always tell people like i'm so like a big proponent of even when you're at the you're just thinking about buying you need to go out and see properties because you need to know yeah like people think they know what they want in a house and then 10 times out of 20 they actually do not know Mm -hmm. and so you really have to get out there and look and i think people are so um into like the finishes in the house and that you need to buy in a location that you're happy with living and almost and make sure the mechanics of the house are good because you don't want to you know if you're already a little tight on your mortgage you want to make sure that the systems are working but i think really good furniture and decorating can make a really ugly house look very pretty a very dated house look very pretty and it's just something that you can fix down the line so uh that would be my advice it's like first just Get an idea of what's out there. Also talk with a lender and figure out the different loan programs. Uh, And they can help you get on a plan. Uh, I also think people think getting like a financial advisor is only for people with a lot of money. And sometimes the people who need the most are, you can get them very affordably. Uh, Sometimes the people that need the most are the ones that don't have much money because they need help figuring out where they should place their money, where they should invest it, how much they should be spending, all of that. So um, I think there's a ton of resources out there. Um, But yeah, just starting with looking at houses and then talking to a lender to figure out what you really need and what realistically you'd be comfortable living. Yeah, I think that was like my big mistake is I didn't know about the talking to a lender part and Mm -hmm. think of like buying my first place i remember being like how excited i'm gonna go buy my first place but like the mortgage aspect of it i think had i gone back and done it differently i would have realized oh i didn't need to save 20 percent of my down payment i should have just gotten five percent and so long as i was comfortable with the monthly payment you know whatever percentage i needed to put down to be comfortable with monthly payment but that would have i think saved me a lot of time where i spent 
you know, the good part of like five years saving for a down payment when I probably could have cut that in half and bought something in maybe 2014 instead of 2017 and built that equity over the three years that I ended up just saving more for a down payment. Right. Yeah, no, I, hey, there's so, I feel like so many people don't, you, you assume 20% down. And I think it's a stigma that sellers need to get away from too, because you'll, you know, present an offer that's like five or 10% down and the seller, many sellers will immediately discredit. Really? Yeah. Why? Because in their minds, they're like, they're not qualified. Why don't they have 20% down? Especially when you get to these higher priced loans. But at the end of the day, it's like, if they want to save, you know, whenever I present an offer that's less than 20% down, 10 is getting a little bit more common, but especially five, I always say, you know, they have the down payment, they have a larger amount, they're just saving some money for updates in the house and things like that. Because yeah, it's a very, uh, you know, so a buyer could be more qualified putting 10% down than say maybe the person putting 20% right. down, but sellers will immediately just want to go for that 20%. Uh, just because it's just been the norm in people's heads for so long, the minimum twenty percent is down payment. Interesting, yeah. Because I'm thinking like the last two places I bought. I mean, I ended up buying my last place for twenty percent down because I didn't like the way that the loan was going to work out for less. But originally, we wrote the offer for ten. My one before that, we wrote the offer for five. But I've never really thought about it that way. Like, I guess when I am a seller, I prefer to see an all-cash buyer because I feel like they not necessarily that they're going to be more qualified, but that they'll actually close right. Right, which I also think... But that's also not worked out. <laughs> also, like, cash, I feel like, at the end of the day, sure, you might have more contingencies with a loan, yeah. but at the end of the day, if someone wants the house, they're going to buy the house. Yes. A conventional loan as a seller is going to put the same money in your pocket, so it always kind of makes me laugh sometimes when someone's like, well, they're cash, so I want that one. And I'm like, but, like... There's like a $20,000 miss. Like, I understand this is like maybe a $2 million house, but like we can get through these contingencies and that's $20,000 extra right. dollars in your pocket. Right. Uh, cash has just gotten like this reputation of obviously it's the best. There's no contingencies. People still, you know, sometimes, sometimes that's why you have to get an agent who's really diving into the buyer. Huh? And how much they like the house. And that's why I like to go to my showings because you need to see how emotionally right. connected they are. Because at the end of the day, most home purchases are emotional. And so your cash buyer might just be the one who's going to buy it as a rental. And your 5% down is, you know, the newly married couple that thinks they're going to raise a family here. Right. Oh, absolutely. And so it's just, ah, uh, sometimes that's the more aspect. Yeah. Yeah, and like I think now I have I've learned my lesson because originally on my last house I took the offer that was for the cash buyer, and I think it was for it actually wasn't even the highest offer that I had on the table. But I was like, oh, they're cash; they're going to close really quickly. And that was at a time where there was a lot of issues with appraisals. Yeah, so that's when home prices were really rising, and so then I can see why a cash offer kind of has you know but right now we're not seeing any appraisal issues whatsoever so if you feel confidence gonna appraise and you talk to the lender and they're qualified yeah it's i say even if it's you know an extra five grand take take it well yeah oh yeah totally now i now if you know if i'm gonna be a seller again like i'm not gonna look so much into that but more like 
how legitimate are these people? Are they really, or do they want the house enough like they're actually going to close? Or are they, yeah, maybe they are just an investor and kind of like getting whatever they can under contract. Mm -hmm. That's a lot more risky to me than if it's somebody that's buying for themselves that they're like super excited about it. And Yeah, it's crazy putting in like offers um, and how many agents don't ask those questions. And so sometimes I'll have just gone and like videoed a property for a client and they never saw the house in person and were, you know, multiple offers and they don't even ask. And so I'm not going to divulge, like if they'll ask, I'll tell them the dream, but I'm not going to divulge that they haven't, you know, seen the house. But yeah, it's just crazy uh, how much you don't get that question when I think that's the emotional aspect and like actually feeling a connection with the house is really what's going to ultimately close it in most cases. Right. Yeah. Because I feel like like any house. It, in my history of purchasing, buying and selling houses, like, if I'm emotionally invested, like, I'm going to make it work. Like, I'm going to figure out a way to make it work. Like I said, I'm going to get creative. Exactly. I got a roommate if I need, a.k.a. my, my boyfriend, now husband. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what's so funny about, like, the ring doorbells now. Because, like, most people, I mean, I'm sure there's cameras in houses, but usually you can tell those. But everyone forgets about a ring doorbell because everyone has them. So they blend in. You don't notice. So people will, like me out fires like i love that house will do anything to get it and i'm like not right here <laughs> you know as much as sellers want to give privacy you know they're yeah totally so yeah it's just funny that is oh man um i feel like last thought i am curious because you did post about this and we've been talking a lot about rates but you know what would you so like what do you recommend so when somebody is interested in getting in the market and you tell them to talk to a lender like how do you how do you normally facilitate that or like what does that look like so it depends like some buyers it goes both ways like some buyers will especially say you bought a house before but maybe not in the state you're currently living or something you might go to your lender first so you know i'll get referrals from a lender and then also vice versa so Mm -hmm. it just depends where they start most people probably do start with their real estate agent uh, and then, yeah, like it, you know, it, the lender that you refer them to a lot of times has to do with how complicated their scenario is. There's only certain lenders that can do like good loans for, say, like a 1099 employee. Those are more complicated, things like that. Um, but yeah, I usually like to get buyers a few options. And then it's also like, you know, a personality, like because you will, just like your realtor, you'll be working with them a lot and divulging a lot of personal information about your finances. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, usually I'll give, you know, a few names and it's just like anything. Talk to them and, and see who you're most comfortable with. And I think lenders, especially right now, understand that people are shopping for rates. Mm-hmm. But just because someone is giving you the best rate does not mean they're going to be the best lender for you. A lot of times they're promising rates they can't deliver uh, and your lender has a lot of control over if you're actually going to close on the property so someone might be giving you the best rate but if they ultimately don't have the right systems in place to close it which luckily hasn't happened too much i've seen it and it kills the deal yeah so it's you know at the end of the day the goal is to get the house and you want to get it at the best rate in payment possible but make sure whoever you're working with is you know credible and and can get a deal done yeah definitely yeah 
Should we wrap it up? I guess I got to do more showings and then. Yes, I can't wait. I know. Is it going to be a busy weekend for you work-wise? Um, you know, it's funny. It's like this morning started out as no, but like this showing requests are coming in, which, you know, I'll take. I'm excited for it. But yeah, it shouldn't be like crazy, but I'll definitely be working. Yeah. It won't be a day off weekend. Yeah, because you have a lot of active listings, right? Yeah, a lot of active listings. Um, and yeah, it's just funny how things kind of, you know, last weekend was slow. This weekend's busy and not much has changed. So, so people are back in town. Just yeah, yeah. I thought was like Renee, so. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it was a good break at least. So, all right. Well, this has been Her House Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Her House. Please be sure to rate and subscribe.